welcome. We invite you to open up your minds and your hearts. And join us, for I am not that. Liberating the self from the self. And now your hosts, Tezra and Koa. Hello, everyone. This is Tezra. And Koa. And we are the co-hosts of I Am Not That podcast. Liberating the self from the self. So uh, today we have a very treasured, honored guest. Her name is Rudrani Bardman. She is the founder, among so many other things, things of the World Yoga Center right here in Manhattan. And I do believe, Rudrani, you can correct me, but I do believe it's the uh, New York City's oldest yoga center, right? It is up there with the oldest. Yes, it's yeah. 48 years old. 48 years old. Wow. That is a tremendous feat because like you say, you know, so many other, you know, schools and studios, especially now, you know, have had to, to close down and to, for the World Yoga Center to survive you know, 48 years, it says a lot to the, the roots and the foundation of it that was able to sustain it all this time. So uh, Rudrani is our spiritual teacher. And um, I was on my, I started my spiritual path maybe, you know, at the age of 27 and uh, on and off, on and off, on and off. And then when I was committed to it and I came back to it, Gujrani was folded into my path as my spiritual teacher. And, you know, they always say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So I finally got ready. And then here she is. She appeared in my life and has been such a beacon of light you know, ever since then in my life. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the honor that you pay me and to say to everyone that watching you blossom at the amazing you have blossomed and produced the amazing life and a wondrous marriage to the perfect guy. <laughs> yes. It's been oh. a big joy. Yeah. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, everyone looking or listening, she also co-officiated our wedding, oh, yeah. uh, COVID style. We zoomed her in and she blessed us with her wonderful well wishings. Mm -hmm. So, Rudrani, we have a, a yummy conversation that we're really excited to um, dive into with you. But first, we just kind of want to get um, a little gist of your your background, your childhood. Um, when did you begin to realize that you were spiritually inclined? I know that you share the ice bucket story uh, <laughs> as a little girl. So if you can just kind of give us a snippet of your childhood and then kind of lead it up into, um, you know, not today, but just embarking on your spiritual path. Uh, I'm a native New Yorker, and I was born what now seems like a very long time ago to many people, which was in 1938, uh, which was um, when the is at the time of the Second World War. I grew up in the shadow of a nation beleaguered by war, even though it was not on our territory, our sons were on the front and on the allied fronts and um, there was a greatness to our nation we were the great country that liberated ourselves and Europe from the threat of fascism and it was a time of great pride in our country and I went to my parents are children of immigrants from Russia fleeing pogroms that happened during the czarist, the last, the reign of the last czar in Russia. And they came and took refuge. They are the epitome of the American dream. My grandfather pushed a push cart on uh, the Lower East Side, my father's dad selling spools of thread. 
obviously not what he did in the old country. And my dad ended up in Columbia Law School in a successful business and in a very privileged life in which I went to the finest schools and had a great education. So I am one of those miracles of the American dream that gives me a lot of pain to see threatened right now. The way our way we welcomed what it meant, what that what Ellis Island meant, what that Statue of Liberty meant. That uh, I hold those things and also the greatness of our nation and the courage we had and all the boys we lost on the in the wars that I grew up in. Feels like um, feels like this time is very very challenged for us to maintain what is the capacity for greatness to rally together. So my life was privileged and somewhere in my later post-college years, um, apparently, because my high school book, everyone got a quote, you know, um, in our class. I went to a progressive high school up in Riverdale and we were a small class of 90 forever bonded and they had written by my name I see but not by sight alone and I wondered why they said that that's wow. uh, the teenage years I remember I worried about my hair and my weight and you name it I was boy crazy I don't remember having that energy but when I met my teacher I saw what couldn't be seen by sight. Mm. And that became my life path. And that's how the World Yoga Center was founded. Um, it was in 1972. And I think that I was in my late 30s. No, you helped me do the math. I think that it was six years before I met my teacher. So I was 32 years old. And I had intense experiences of the other dimensions of my being that I didn't know existed. Mm. School was created as a place where even separated from the community that nourished me and the teachings and the practices, where that same current of energy and that other sight would flourish. And the school, I think, because of the people over the years, co-created with me a place, a harbor, a sanctuary for the unseen and the mystery and the heart of life. And I think this is what accounts for our longevity. So knock on wood, we've never had scandal. We've never, we've just, we don't beat. The community is full of love. The community of teachers is supportive. We are unbelievably blessed. And in COVID, we discovered that all the people, because we are so old, you know, we started in 1972. And I don't know anything about business. I put stenciled things. We didn't even Xerox in those days. <laughs> A ballpoint pen, yes? And yeah. Then I, I rubbed stencil. Mm. Wow on a big paper that said Yo World Yoga Center. Wow. <laughs> One of our teachers in a backbend, and we still have that as our logo, and, and went up and down Broadway and Amsterdam and Columbus, putting up flyers anywhere they'd let me, and just loving the lead work, and we used a telephone, and it just grew, and over the years, People moved away and they always say, I can't find a place to do yoga that's like the school or has a special energy. So when COVID started, like a Friday in my morning meditation, there was three people, two people from Germany. That means it's their afternoon. There was somebody from in Korea, in South Korea, that's Anso. Mm. It was 10 o'clock her night or nine o'clock her night. There were people from all over the United States. And those are all people connected to the school who have dispersed where COVID has brought us together. 
with the beautiful which is that the meeting place of the thing you cannot see that is what unifies us that is the nature of love that has kept us together in COVID mm -hmm. growing the school is as beautiful as ever so I am one grateful person <laughs> yeah I think that that was um so amazing how because it was so uncertain of how things were going to be done and how are we going to continue to practice together and the the magic was in how Julia and you and whoever helped bring this together like bring us online in no time it was just like incredible that and it, and it seemed like I'm not sure I know that there was bumps and stumbles but it seemed like it was pretty fluid and you know the orchestration of how to move the school from in studio practice to online practice and our meditations and our satsangs and our retreats you know it was just and, and even our second education classes you know that was something that was born out of you know the COVID pause so you know I it was um this time has been uh, a very challenging time, but it's also been latent with um, a lot of other blessings and unfoldings that we did not know of before. And that's the blessing. And it was March 13th, and I called Julia, who's our assistant director, and I said, we're going online. We can't, the teachers, we can't ask the teachers to disinfect blocks after every class. Right. <laughs> they already, the school doesn't, the school is very homespun. It doesn't have a waiting room. It doesn't have a shower. It doesn't, we're just a little school with a big vision and just blessed survival and an exquisite and extended community. And I said, we're going online. It was March 13th. Mm. And Julia's the, she's 46 years younger than me. And she's not scared of computers. <laughs> Knows where her passwords are and other things. <laughs> I grew up with Telegram. And someone had a baby. If someone would ring your doorbell and hand you a Telegram and it would say, it's a boy. Wow. So um, that's, she accomplished the technology of it and the intuitiveness of it. She's, a, she's a, just a great foundation and support and also a great teacher. So that happened and then, and, and we did it right away. And then added all these studies and trainings where you, gave a beautiful talk, beautiful Tezra. I was so proud of you, you were so charismatic, doing something that none of the teachers who were assigned topics for our wisdom teachings training were uh, used to holding what we call satsang, which is a gathering for the sake of the highest truth, is a yoga practice. And you gave a very, very beautiful talk. You should share a little bit with the others about your topic and your oh. mama was there your sister was there yes who i met at your wedding mm -hmm. yeah so the this um it was a second education series and we had a lot of different topics we had things seven sessions and my session was transformation and the funny thing is is that i was first going to do non-attachment because I felt like that's really what I was learning. And, but my cooler brother, Eric had already been assigned non-attachment. So I was like, okay, so let me go through this list and see what jumps out at me next. Like, you know, where am I drawn to next? And then transformation. So when I picked the topic, I was very excited to have it also really kind of deathly afraid because, you know, of teaching you know, along with Rudrani and the other yoga teachers. But as I was doing my research, and the thing that I really appreciate about the topic the most is that I learned so much. 
while preparing for the topic and the teachings were even more deeply invited in me as I was preparing for the, the topic for the course or the class or the sharing. So we're leading up and you and I are going back and forth and you're coaching me and giving me tidbits on, you know, how to make it more pointed and uh, to where it, it, sticks, it speaks more to actual transformation. So, and I graciously took those pointers and did the best that I could. But I remember feeling so much excitement. Normally I'm just bubbled with fear when it comes to, you know, teaching yoga or teaching anything on um, the great self. But this time my, my fear was equally contrasted with excitement. I was so excited. I, got, I was bubbling inside and it was a great share. It was a great experience. And I think it got me over my fear of speaking about the self. Isn't that wonderful? And yeah. I think that something helps us when we move into full service. So the fear of performance anxiety and the fear of criticism and that there are critics and the people listening to you who are going to judge you and all the ego stuff falls by the wayside when we take a step into full service. And that's why service is so transformative. And this is one of the goals of yoga that transforms our lives is to live a life of service. And that means you're serving everything. You serve, you, you serve the dishes when you wash them. <laughs> serve your lover when you take care of him or her. And you serve when you do your work. And people always ask my teacher, well, I can't find the service to a, something higher that is the highest in me where I feel devotion, when I'm a short order cook, you know, in a hamburger joint or whatever. I remember my teacher, this is not a story I tell very often, said, he said, pray for the souls of the animals, the dead animals. You know, he was from India and in that country there was there are very strong restrictions against meat eating in many, many people in that population. And he just flipped it. And then another person said, when I leave here, I, I, won't, ha I won't have my service. And he said, I need somebody to take care of your mother and your father. And he named all the other relatives that were waiting for her at home. There's nobody I know who can do as good a job as you to look after them or take care of them in service. So the training and my own training was very strong to live, serve. And what you've shared, Taz, is that you tasted the freedom. You had so much charisma in, and joy and the egoic stuff fell away. And it's, 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 it's almost, it's like addictive, like, oh, this is, this is good. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. Yes. <laughs> I once asked my teacher, you know, well, how do you keep from getting addicted, you know, to the high of this? You know, I met him in the 70s. Everyone was high on something, <laughs> <laughs> including the people who, you know, who flocked into spiritual communities. And um, he said he thought that was the funniest question. And he just said, oh, I'm afraid that's a that's a habit that becomes chronic, he said. Mm. <laughs> it becomes a problem, uh, is, was his humor. But this is what feeds on itself. So you can imagine my joy to see you as one of our teachers flourish in the joy and the satisfaction and the fulfillment of dropping egoic concerns like fear of how you appear to others and just transmitting wisdom that has transformed you i was totally thrilled and proud of you plus you met a man at a time where that was an issue and found a partner who is perfect for you who has very similar training to me and it just was a miracle i always think of the way the two of you came together as a miracle 
In yoga, we call that grace. It produces, again, accelerated transformation, which you can see. And those of you who are getting to know Taz and Koa know that they are very strong stand for founding your own life and your own actions and your own words in true self. They stand for something very strong, and united, they're even stronger together. I just want to share, uh, and I'm a, I want you to say something too, but I just want to share a, a quick story. When I was in immersion, which is the first level of yoga teacher training, and at that time, like you mentioned, I had a lot of sorrow. I had a lot of failures in my relationships. And and before that class, I was just thinking that my lineage of women were just cursed because nobody in my family, no female in my family had a successful relationship. And so I just thought that, well, this is just my fate. Something has been put on me. And no matter how hard I try, no matter how much I say, okay, this is going to be the one, it just... It crumbled every single time. And I remember telling you that I took a <laughs> I took a class or a test online and it said my heart chakra was closed. Mm. And I said, I feel like I'm cursed. And I don't know what you said for verbatim, but I know in the spirit and the energy that you delivered it in, it hit me so hard that at that moment, I felt everything just melt off of me. That was my old story of who I was in a relationship. It just completely melted off of me. And I knew from that point on that I was not going to be the same person that I was in a relationship. My whole perspective, my whole thought process just changed about it. I knew I was no longer that person. So not, and I just want to let everyone know that Rudrani's name, her, her name is given by her guru and her name means the destroyer of sorrow. So after that, you know, pithy statement that she said to me about a month later, this guy right here, who I've been working with for five years, asked me out. And so, and there goes the story. And we ended up getting married on July 11th. But so that just speaks to your, your, we call it Shakti, which is the same thing as the Holy Spirit, but it just floods through you. And so when you speak, it really has power and it yeah, and it permeates and it just, you know, it does things. It does things. So I wanted to say that, um, it may be esoteric for people to hear about what are teachings that seem to come from another culture. I think that we were talking about transformation was one of your goals today and to make that very accessible to everybody would be a great service. One of the things I love about the way the two of you came together is that Together, you found a service. These podcasts that are so successful is an example of being greater than one was alone by the power of union with somebody who's aligned with your own spiritual development. Being more, more fortunate in life, especially in our secular culture where marriages are so unstable and come and go. And so this service together has um, reached a lot of people. I thought we should return to the theme of transformation if you want to, if you would like to, so that it feels accessible to everybody. Not everybody's going to wind up in teacher trainings or studying what are practices from the yoga tradition. Yes, um, that would be awesome. I would like to go into that direction? Uh, yeah, I would too. I, I, but just, uh, uh, just a little note um, before we dive into that. Uh, back on like how how you get so much out of 
giving. Like I, I definitely see that across the board and uh, with a lot of different people and especially with myself that um, you, you take on this journey of, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this podcast. I'm going to get online. I'm going to help people. I'm going to do this. And it, it may seem initially like I'm starting out on this journey to help others. And then you see how much you help yourself through this. And I've heard many different quotes, like I teach what I have to learn. I don't remember who said it, but I remember that quote, uh, how it really, it, it just resonates because the more you get into the world of helping in different ways, whether you, you know, you're in set song or you have, I am not that podcast. or we had spirit circle the other night, like we're just doing all these different things. The more you just keep putting yourself in that position of engaging, you open up more and more and more. And that is definitely a part of that circles back to that addiction a little, you know, like how it's like, oh, wow, this really feels good to keep evolving by way of helping others. That's like, you know, you really, it really is a two way street. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is excellent. Um, this work and this union and this, this interview and all the above. So before we jump into the transformation aspect and accessibility of it for everyone, uh, I did have my one question. I have I have my one question. I was like, I'm gonna ask my one question. I bet um, you have 100 questions on that paper. I, I have I, I have one question. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna wing it, but this one I wanted to write down to make sure I didn't forget because I wanted to know um, how and when, because we, we brought up, uh, and so I wanted to know how and when you met, like how did you even cross paths? Well, I, because we have a short time and because of the multiple copyright issues that revolve around SYDA, I think it's enough. You know, I love to quote him and or I love to mention things that I've learned. But um, beyond just that somebody dragged me to a, a gathering, okay said, would you like to meet a holy man and a saint? And I said, not really. Real <laughs> <laughs> Democrat, sort of nice, irreligious Jewish girl growing up privileged in the Upper West Side. It just wasn't going to be my thing. Nor would I ever end up, you know, spending my life in spiritual practice. That just... So it was, it was just... It's, it's really the implosion of a transmission of energy that um, Hezra described as shakti, which means energy, that there is an unseen dimension in all of us. And as we are invited inward by any means, because we don't always have a teacher that's living as somewhere, sometimes we get it through. The books, the teachings, the disciples, the communities, impacted by the power of those liberating practices and that body of wisdom. And when we're impacted, something opens. It's like an implosion. And it's grace-filled because one discovers what one truly is. And that internal opening reveals what is something we all know, which is that we're good inside when you go deep. We're beautiful inside. It's not even that we have love, it's that we're made of it. It's not even that we have joy, it's that we are joy in the form of human beings. The whole universe is a congealing of an energy of ecstatic luminosity and, and power beyond our understanding. And the physicists, even before the quantum era, were saying, I don't know what that was, but it sounds like you have a Tyrannus Rex in Europe. <laughs> was that New York? Mo yeah, yeah, New York motorcycles, yeah. We, we have that stuff. <laughs> when you live in India, it's even more. It's just like, Bedlam, because they don't put mufflers on there. Uh, anyway, don't want to digress. 
but the um, taking going back to this beautiful quote by David Bohm, he's a British physicist out of London University, that the universe is a continuum of one single creativity and power of inconceivable vastness. Or we call it consciousness. We have to call it something, but it's not a thing. Universe is an in, is is an expression, is an outpouring. I'm trying to remember his exact words. Continuum of one single impulse of creativity of inconceivable vastness. There, I've nailed the quote. And that vastness has become cosmos, solar systems, a planet like ours that received its hydrogen mole molecules from or the elements from Jupiter, that's where water came from, and then bacteria. And before you know it, developing three trillion-celled life form with, with a, a, a root of our being coming from that source. That is the core of the teachings in all mystical traditions, all spiritual traditions, that we are a luminous expression, an outermost expression of life itself. And life itself comes from the mysterious root that we call, in quantum physics, they call it consciousness. This has nothing to do with religion or once upon a time there were darkness and it's not the Bible. This is, this is science and it, it's a great meeting place. The science of, of the quantum era is very powerful in disman dismantling the way the mind works. It tells us that past, present, and future doesn't really exist. It's a creation of the human mind. You think about your mind, it is utterly impacted by whatever's unfinished that happened to all of us in our upbringing and in our interactions in our families and in our life history. We are impacted by the past and we worry about the future and very little is given in a secular materialist society like ours to the importance of the only reality we have which is just a right now. And that right now is right there in the breath. Life is absent. And that natural joy of which we're made, and that natural love of which we're made, which are human words to try to describe what the energy feels like at our source is what's at the root of practice and at the root of the what I call the implosion of an awakening. And implosion sounds like explosion, you know, like it's violent, but it can be very subtle. But all of us have goodness inside. And once we discover this and get rooted in core being, something you talk about in your podcast all the time as the self, once we're founded in that, we can heal all the misunderstandings and what they call in the yoga scriptures the wrong notions. Wrong notions abound in our society. Yes. Can... Can I jump in there? Because that's exactly what I wanted to kind of uh, steer towards. Wrong notion, how transformation can lead to the freeing of wrong notion. And for our audience members, can you just briefly describe what a guru is? Because in our society, we really don't understand exactly what a guru is. And then lead that into the transformation and how that is freeing us of the small self of the transient identification. So this is a, a, a long subject, but transformation really comes before the notion of a teacher that transmits. That one has to know that there is no tradition that has um, a spiritual purpose, which is evolution and of the inner consciousness and mastery over the mind and liberation from 
the a limited view of reality into something more expansive and more um, free, freedom giving that no tradition has a teacher unless there was such a thing as evolution, expansion, liberation, and attainment so that a teacher could be a transmitter who had done practices, had gone through a journey of evolution in order to transmit and have students. Just like you can't become a dentist without a dentist telling you what to do. You wouldn't want to have your teeth fixed by someone who didn't get trained by a very good dentist. <laughs> um, I would say that in Buddhism is the master. In Judaism, it's the tzaddik. In, in Christianity is the saint. In the Indian tradition, there's the guru, which means that principle which removes sorrow. That the idea of a teacher means that someone outside yourself is a carrier and a transmitter of wisdom, knowledge, and and see your limitations when you cannot. However, in all traditions, the guru is ultimately located within. It's truly the guru within. That's why when we sing some of those ancient prayers, it says, I bow to the teacher within myself. When Jews pray, is the religion I was born into ethnically, so I am more familiar with it, but I am a little familiar with religious traditions. They say the kingdom of God is inside in the New Testament. Those are the words of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is within. And in Judaism, the holy soul is the true God. They call that in the Hebrew, the neshama, the soul, and that there's a mountaintop, which is not Mount Sinai, but something within that one climbs to attain wholeness, mm -hmm. the fulfillment of one's true essence. And in yoga, we call it the Atman, the self. So there's always correspondence. It's not, you, it's you, it's not one path or the other that, ha that holds more truth than any other. If it's a true path, it's just different language, but it has the same basic elements. The teacher is within. So you asked about the guru, the word means that principle within us that removes sorrow. So let's look at the inner guru because it, it's not everyone's destiny to have a spiritual teacher. And in our culture, there's a fair amount of disappointment and scandal around teachers that is not useful and, and undermines what is a sacred tradition. Because if it were not for true discipleship down the millennia, the body of wisdom that human beings own, whether it's in the Vedas or in the Bible or in the Quran or in our holy books, would not have survived. These are the fruits of the evolution of our consciousness in many multiple cultures. The Kalahari Desert people talked about the, the, that in dance, when you beat the drums, that you, in the trance, the num energy comes forth and it makes your mind merge with eternity. These are the Kalahari Desert people. Universal. I think oh, we, lost, we lost a little bit of sound. Can you go back just a little bit after? The Kalahari Desert people called it the num energy, and it's they said that when you dance, it makes the mind numb and allows you to merge with eternity. They're about the same things. So there, the shop, the shamanic tradition in indigenous culture is someone who can see the unseen, yes, 
They know where the wild boar are, perhaps. Yes, they can see into the future. If we go in the forest and, and walk for two days, the boar are going to come. They have lost the illusion of past, present, and future. But we are limited to worries of, and an impact and conditioning, historic conditioning of the past. And we're filled with concerns about the future. And so we live in a narrative that's very limited. And this exists in all traditions. And there are there's symbols of what will free us. Sometimes it's a savior, sometimes it's a prophet, but really what quote unquote saves us from the suffering that the mind brings us by being endlessly trapped in a limited narrative, which is why our relationships suffer, why we suffer fear, why we suffer greed, why we suffer what they call the enemies of the mind, using other people, deceiving ourselves, deep feelings of unworthiness, being defeated by thoughts about ourselves in the mind. What, what, what frees us is discovering the luminous core of us that can just shine like a projector on that mind of ours and say, oh, look at that thought. How destructive is that thought? You know, who's talking to us? you'll never make it. It's always going to be like this. You're not good enough. You don't have people's respect. Nobody recognizes who I am. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the future. Now people have lots of fear. And we have reason to have the intensity. We have climate change. We have social change. And we have medical and health changes with no particular promises in any of those arenas. They're major. They're about the survival of the human family as a species, which if it doesn't survive will be no great moment in the cosmos. It won't make any headlines. <laughs> oh, oh, there they, they, they were there. They were there. They built pyramids, yeah, yeah. You can find old <laughs> stones, yes. It won't be a big deal, but it is <laughs> to involve enough to give up our wrong notions. We have a, a sexist, ageist, racist, materialist culture that denies the greatest part of us, nonetheless. When visitors come to New York, they have a very, they think of, they think of New York as Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, like a terrible place of corruption and crime. One European said, there are so many churches here. In other words, despite everything, they were impressed that there were so many uh, houses mm -hmm. that the goodness in people is there. And if we're lucky, we can access that goodness. It's so beautiful. And be each other's, as Pesra said, well-wishers. So to talk about the guru really is to talk about accessing that goodness inside. It's not just good in a morally Pollyanna way that you're nice to people or try to help them. As Koa said, anybody you help has helped you. <laughs> One hand washes the other. Anything we do really, really well, we can't even take credit for it because it didn't come from our limitations. It came from our greatness and our greatness is universal. So I just so beautiful to talk about the guru in this way, that there's a teacher within everybody. People call it that still small voice. People witness the mind. People will say, my mind is my worst enemy. It won't even let me get up and take a drink of water or go to the bathroom because I'm so busy working. My body is screaming and I'm ignoring it. What kind of friend? You wouldn't do that to your best friend, to any friend. And so we discover this ability to witness the mind and that is the beginning of spiritual life, is to see the mind rather than be 
so identified with thinking that we feel that's reality. There's another awareness outside thinking. It's what knows. Like you know when somebody's upset, how do you know? It's not a thought, you just know. You take one look at them and you know. Mm. When you see something innocent, suffering, you, you, it hurts you. Babies have this. They have true compassion. Even it's intrinsic humanity. We're an incredible species. Not using the treasures inside us. So if we had a sacred society, and I'm not promulgating that because they have fundamentalist bad side effects, yes, societies, at least in our modern world. But when society, when a community unites around practices that uplift, tremendous love flows. And that love becomes the teacher also. That's why you say in your training that when you're with your community that you call kula, which means in Sanskrit, school. The people you were schooled with and the practices. When you're, when you're with those people, you remember what you forgot. You wake up out of the part of your mind that just wants to put you to sleep. Hmm. Fill you with just endless projections and things that worries about things that haven't happened, cutting ourselves off from the forces that give us the most joy, like love, self-care, unity, and fill us with wrong ideas. Look at the division, the crazy ideas we have about each other. Yeah. Color, it can be gender. I mean, I'm not minimizing the incredible need for racial equity in our country and took COVID to somehow wake the whole nation out of some kind of slumber and may it never go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. And three times as many women have quit their careers and jobs during COVID than men to manage a house and homeschool kids they couldn't do their job at the same time mm. as we're back in the 50s again. Mm. You ever saw ads in the 50s as the year I was a teenager? A woman, when they sold anything, a vacuum cleaner, you know, a, a, a bathroom cleanser, shampoo, there's just an old woman in an apron in high heels, yes? <laughs> <laughs> this is the best, yes? And some people say it's like that we're in the 50s again. Anyway, yeah. You, yeah. I'm answer your question about guru. This belongs to all people. Uh, yes, thank you so much for that. Uh, that's um, very insightful for those who think it's always just trying to find somebody, with, preferably with a beard, smiling at you, and you just just trying to get a lot of followers, and that's all that there is to it. Or um, even just, uh, you should worship me. Yeah, it's all you know, about me, bow down. Yeah. yeah. So, so as, as in getting into, like you said, we, we don't have have a a lot of time and uh, you know hours to because we could definitely do that. <laughs> it's a, such a long conversation with transformation. But how do people um, um, just get on a path that really, like you said, they don't have a teacher? They're not, you know, they're they're not even sure. They know that there's something about themselves or spirituality, but they just really are more entranced with the everyday hustle and bustle, trying to survive and just trying to figure out how to slip in a practice of some kind or some way of creating that connection and starting a, a, a practice I mean, of some kind. What, what, what would you say to those looking? I'd say to everybody to think about what's the most important thing in life. Like, what do you always want more of? People will say more time with my family. They will say more more leisure, um, less fear. They, they say things you can ask. You can ask all of you right now, what do you want more of? But when you go to the root of that, it ends up being peace. 
It ends up being, why do you want more time with your family? What, to fight with them? No, for love. You know, why do you want more leisure? To feel peace. Mm -hmm. To trim the, the roses if you're lucky to have a rose bush in your garden. And one question we can ask about the path is, who do you know that has good understanding, that sees you beyond your flaws, that understands the unconditional nature of true authentic love, that is not judgmental, and ask them who their influences have been, who were their teachers, mm -hmm. who, who helped. Because go to the people, this is Fred Rogers, who is a um, he was a biologist and a preacher before he became the beloved of American children. <laughs> and won't you be my neighbor? I hope you all see that wonderful. He would tell the kids, go find the people who like to help. This is so beautiful. Who want to help? Like when you're sad or you're mad. Find mm. the so one way to begin is to see who you're drawn to by the subtle goodness of their presence. Find out what their influences have been. Meditation is a very important practice, but meditation has become popularized and canned, and it's not every app is is applicable to play with. And it can be very materialistic, and I've met people who are trying to progress in meditation by how long they can go without thinking and stuff, crazy stuff like this, whereas purificatory and spontaneous and requires higher awareness, you need teachings, you have to have the teachings. So to look for the wisdom teachings in the great tradition, and there are great contemporary sages, Artoli is a great contemporary sage, his book on New Earth is lovely, and the the explains the dilemma of the ego in a way that a lay person can understand. And Elizabeth Gilbert's book Eat, Pray, Love, the central section of that, he doesn't mention names. We don't do it because of all these copyright issues, but he had the same training, Koa and I did, and uh, hmm. talks about. In Eat, Pray, Love, the central, it's a wonderful book, but the central chat, um, section of that book is about her experience and who has no interest whatsoever. I talk about dentists in different ways, but this is a very good dentist. <laughs> um, and he said after he read that book, he wanted to go live in India in an ashram. If you would have to know him to know how crazy <laughs> and how wonderful that was. It meant that there was something universal in in the appeal, in the writing that is for everybody. So I recommend that section of that book also to sort of um, inspire and to find out what inspires you. You know, Wilt Chamberlain in my day was a great basketball player a great basketball player. When he was in the zone, as they say these days, he literally could do no wrong. And he, he, he wrote a book about his experiences on the ball court. He said that something would happen and he would recede, in his mind would recede, and time would slow down so much that it was almost like it stopped and he could hear everything the sound of the sneakers of his teammates and the other team on the court just ignore that I don't know how to turn it off my apologies and he would he would hear the fans you know yelling in, in the stands can you still hear me yes and he would um, hear feel hear the breath other the other teammates and his and the sound of the ball on the court and he and and he he would be able he he no matter where he was he'd make that shot yes mm -hmm. and he said that that feeling 
was so great and he felt that he loved not the fans who were on rooting for their team, but the other team. He loved those guys also. And if they lost the game, but he'd gone in that zone, he would say, they'd be bummed out. You know, they had lost money on bets and whatever it was. And they were so down that, and he would be exalted and he would not talk about it because you can't say to your teammates, I just love you. And I love the other guys too on the other team, you know, the and so that story always impacted me that that zone where time is only in the present, where we have attain our superpowers, where we're informed only by the guru within who knows just what to do and what not, what to say and where to step and where to aim and where not to aim and who to throw the ball to. Those moments are ours and can be attained ultimately ongoingly and that's why we practice so that's the goal and that's why there have been teachers over thousands of years whether they're indigenous shamans or masters or saints or gurus in the indian tradition they have attainment that is ours also to attain so yes look for what uplifts you read and Tezra will tell you books to read I'll yeah. help make a nice reading list for all of you we give them in our trainings that inspire us to be all that we can be mm -hmm. and also master that mind and next time you forgive somebody who did something terrible where you carried a feeling of you know I'm never again with this person this is never again and you forgive them, there's something about it where you learn something from the anguish of the, what was happened and see that from their viewpoint, walking in their moccasins, you might have taken that action out of wrong thinking and you forgive them. And what Tezra explained, like this whole dark thing leaves you, know that you're expanding spiritually those are the marks of transformation and then once you've given something back uh, given something away don't take it back once you've let something go right so that everyone can experience transformation yes so in uh wrapping up i don't know if you can uh, briefly touch on this, I'm sure you can, but how do we embrace the dark shadows as we are in going through the transformation? So like everything is not going to be, you know, rosy and all, you know, glorious and smelling the daffodils. Like when it comes to those dark shadows, can you just speak to that uh, yes. last moments? Yes. I love this subject, Tez. <laughs> Make love to your shadow like a lover. The worst parts of you, don't disown them. Don't separate from yourself. That's the true pain in life. We only have our true self to journey with ultimately. That is a source of love and allows us to love others and receive love and everything a human being needs. And when you're afraid, or when you feel vengeful, or when you're in a rage. Tether your attention to that which knows and sees and witnesses the feeling. And don't act on it. Don't let the emotion be the root of your action. Because not be awake. It'll be colored by emotion. Mm -hmm. Wait till you sit or weed your garden or meditate. Meditation is the ideal place. You just sit with it. You don't say anything, but it's not because you're repressed or in denial. You let the feeling be there. Like, wow, this is what jealousy feels like. Wow, this is what rejection feels like. Wow, this is what defeat feels like. Wow, this is what wanting to murder somebody feels like. Okay. 
And just as we don't commit murder, most of us don't, I'm just speaking generally, mm -hmm. we know that there are blocks to passionate anger and we have those breaks. We don't use the breaks on our dark side not to feel the feelings, but to direct them again towards the guidance of the true teacher within. What would the true teacher within want me to do here? What would, tr what would love do in this situation? Mm. So you ask the guru within and you don't act out and it's very hard not to act out. It's very hard not to let fly a little barb when someone is so arrogant or so, you know, nah, nah, nah. it's so hard not to just say something. You know, like somebody tells you how they want you to be. It's so hard not to say, well, um, send me the script when you have it written. You know, it's like so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Is It's not to repress, but to be honest, you can say, well, I felt anger when you said that. I'm struggling with that. That's real. But you haven't separated from people. Learn to be honest without doing harm. Wow, that... That made me so uncomfortable when you said that. And I thought all these nasty retorts and I don't want that between us is much better than letting them have it, yes? <laughs> Creates karma, yes? Mm -hmm. so transformation is really based on locating your truest source of being of words and actions from that golden place within you that illuminated place within you and letting your emotions move through you they don't last forever like when you're jealous of somebody's success and you're ashamed of it because that's not nice and you call them and say i'm so happy for you you know and <laughs> you do the right thing you end up not liking yourself. Watch all that. Take away the shame and just give room for the jealousy. They, okay, here's jealousy. This is what jealousy looks like. But I'm not that. Those are emotions. It's like clouds. We're not This is my phone, but I don't think this is me. It's my phone. I may without it, but it isn't me. <laughs> not that confused, yes? Don't touch my phone. But once a biker outside in a parking lot, somebody was touching their, what do you call the real good motorcycles? Harley, Harley Davidson? Yes, Harley Davidson. And he said, you touch my bike, you touch me. Okay, you just don't want wrong identification. You <laughs> think we're our thoughts and our emotions and that's just, wrong <laughs> the one that can see them so this is where the liberation is if you practice that you'll be on the path soon enough it's gonna feel ooh good <laughs> freedom much love i think we're time we're time yes and i just want to say thank you so much for that enlightening fruitful conversation you know no matter how much we hear it, it's just you never can get enough. So, and and the way that you deliver, it's just always spectacular and feeding. So, thank you. But we just want to quickly say that it um is the the studio or the school is called the World Yoga Center, and we offer classes online at worldyogacenter.com. There's yoga classes there. She talked about meditation, uh, which is a great thing to uh, practice in order to get closer to yourself. That, so there's meditations held every morning. At 8.15, every morning. I'm At 8.15, every, every morning. And then there's also a retreat that's coming up that we are doing online. And I did the last retreat, and it's, it, it was so refreshing just to go in and spend that time with yourself. So that information is online. And then Sat Songs um, every month on Thursdays is held from 7 to 9 p.m. And that information is to all online. And it's such an opening and welcoming community, the World Yoga Center, worldyogacenter.com. 
And ladies and gentlemen, we were speaking with our illustrious, beautiful spiritual teacher, Rudrani. Thank you so much. Love you so much. Thank you. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you later. Namaste. You too. Love you. <laughs> Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at I am not that underscore podcast. And if you have any questions or any comments of any kind, we'd love to hear from you. That would be our email address is I am not that podcast at gmail.com. I am not that podcast at gmail.com. So yes, we'd love to hear from you till next time. <laughs>